welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and I'm joined, as ever, by my partner in crime, MK. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Excellent. MK, it's summer. I mean, it's summer in places that aren't England. It's summer. There's sunshine in places there aren't that aren't England, which always means what? USA starts airing all of their TV shows at once. Hells yeah. Hells yeah. That's how you know it's summer, right? Like, that's how I know, because I don't go outside. I usually go outside, but um, just to give you guys an illustration of how awesome the weather has been here, last night at 11, no, not 11, sorry, I woke up at 1 a.m. because I was so cold under my duvet, and I staggered into my living room, grabbed the fleece blanket off of my couch, and, like, put it on top of my bed at, like, 1.30 in the morning. (laughs) fall back asleep and I was like oh good it's June 7th I'm so glad this is happening (laughs) congratulations England way to fail way to suck at your life England (laughs) meanwhile in Canada I'm like dying it's ridiculously hot and sunny and I'm like god where did the sun come from yeah um you know the Queen's Jubilee the day they had the massive riverboat flotilla I don't actually because I don't support that queen But I'll take your word Um, for it. Right. So last weekend was the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, which means that she hasn't died for 60 years or something while she's on the throne. I don't know the rules. I fought a war so that I wouldn't have to care about these things. Or my people fought a war so I wouldn't have to care about (laughs) Rage Proof Rock, secretly Captain America. uh, No, wrong war. Okay. Listen, canon gets rewritten all the time. We don't know which wars you fought in. Yeah, no one knows your wars either, bro. But, like, Rage for Frock, secretly Ben Franklin, all about the hoes and the drinking. Come on. Good job. She, so there was this massive riverboat flotilla, and it was, like, going down the Thames, and it was, like, really exciting, right? Except it's the middle of fucking June, and people got hypothermia. <laughs> Did they have, like, nurses' stations? I think they had nurses' stations, but they were prepping for, like, drunk people, not uh, people freezing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just can't wait for you guys to get the Olympics and fuck that up. Oh, it's gonna be a shit show. Yeah, everything that I've seen on British television is like, prepare for a shit show. Like, it's gonna yeah. be really it's, bad. Yeah. It's gonna be terrible. I'm very lucky in that, like, I can get to most things I need in my life by walking. Yeah. Yeah, anytime, I think we're having some kind of games coming to Toronto. I don't know what kind, I don't care. But I'm like, oh, good. I can get pretty much anywhere by biking or walking. And that's all I care about is to, like, not have to deal with that bullshit. (laughs) We should move on to a happier topic, which is the actual TV shows that are airing for the next, like, three to four months. Exactly. Exactly. So Necessary Roughness, which we talked about last season, has already premiered. I have not actually started watching it again. I gave up on watching last season because it was just, like, two lady problems all the time for me. (laughs) I was like, this feels like a lady written by someone who's, like, not actually a woman. Like, it might be, but it might not be. I don't care. It was the kind of woman that, like, I wouldn't want to hang out with. Well, I still really like her. Um, I have the episode prepped and ready to go, but I've been having some other strong emotions about Korean dramas this week, so I haven't actually watched it yet. So, I mean, I guess that's indicative yeah, of guys, the fact that like, it's good, but it's not like, appointment viewing. Yeah, that's true. This morning, guys, we were talking like, oh, we'll do this and this and this, and we'll do our giveaways, and then we'll record. And Prue was like, okay, but I'm going to need an hour in there if we're just, like, crying at Korean television. (laughs) And I was like, I guess that's fine. I'll read Teen Wolf Thick and fall asleep on the couch. Guys, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, I was watching episode 15 of Queen Inhyun's Man, and I just, like, I'm so dehydrated right now. (laughs) There's still one more episode to go. I'm so 
so dehydrated right now. You're going to have to, you know, make sure that your taps are running well before you watch the next one. Yeah, I maybe should just get like an intravenous line because I don't know how I'm going to handle this shit. It's like one of the many reasons why I don't watch Korean dramas. <laughs> okay, other things that have already started. Legend of Korra, which we haven't really talked about because you don't watch it, but suffice to say that it's fucking amazing. <laughs> awesome. Like... Like, I don't even, how how are they cramming this much shit into one episode at a time that's only, like, 25 minutes or something? Like, it's it's basically an action movie that is 25 minutes long every Saturday at 11. Nice. You should be watching it, everyone. Alrighty. And Rizzoli and Isles started, and I watched the first episode. What did you think? I haven't seen it yet, but I don't mind being spoiled. Okay. Uh, I'll try to, like, limit spoilers for listeners who haven't seen this yet, though. Right? It's an okay episode. It's... <laughs> Like, kind of a weird one, because it feels mostly like just a normal episode. Like, it's not what I expect from a season opener. Right, and it's also not what you would expect, given the fact that, like, they had a major emotional blowout at the end of last season. Right, like, the primary plot of this episode is the emotional blowout from last season, where uh, Jane shoots Mora's mobster killer dad uh, in the chest, and he has to go to hospital. But he was going to shoot her first, and Mora is furious. And she's like, we can never be friends again. And you're like, he's you're only your biological dad. Like, you don't actually know him. And he is on the FBI's most wanted list as a mobster and serial killer. This is yet another moment where you're like in Aspie mode. And I'm like... You're like, I have feelings. And I'm like, no, science. She's yeah. like all about science. She should be on my side in this case. Yeah, no, because even people who have science <laughs> have feelings, except for you and Bones. Yeah, I know. That's why you keep watching that show. Shut up. I, I haven't been able to finish this season yet. I still haven't done it. Okay. Okay, but the point is, so you're like, oh, that's like the main emotional line, uh, except that Internal Affairs gets involved and they start investigating because suddenly they think that Jane is a dirty cop. And there's like this, let's call it the plot of the episode, but it's not really, <laughs> like, it's not important and it's really obvious from like 30 seconds in exactly how it's going to end. Like, I was like, I'll be really disappointed if that person is the bad guy. And lo and behold, that person is the bad guy. Like, 30 seconds in, I was like, yep, called that one. So, sloppy writing, not very well done. But it could still be an amazing season for many reasons. And my favorite one is uh, basically Maura and Jane spend the whole episode fighting. And Jane's mom is kind of in the middle of them trying to choose between the two of them. Aww. And she tells Maura, like, you're my daughter too. <laughs> And I was like, oh, it's beautiful. And then I stopped and I was like, do you mean daughter-in-law? But like Jane just hasn't proposed yet because I'm really excited for an episode that will probably never happen where her mom is like, listen, you better make an honest woman out of Mora. You better put a ring on it. That will never happen, but it's cute that you think it might. Well, I have hopes. I mean, Facebook, uh, they have, like, the Rizzoli and Isles community run by the network. Yeah, and everyone ships Rizzoli and Isles. Yeah, they were like, who should Maura and Jane wind up with? And, like, 90% of the answers were each other. <laughs> it was fucking adorable. I think we all agree on that. Yeah, all of the dudes on the show that are the love interest are like, well, you're boring. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, some more time with each other. Thanks, bye. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the problem with that show is, is that, like, um, the ultimate through line for the first season was so good. Because yeah. that killer was so menacing. He was super and menacing. The it was, right. The reason it was so menacing and the reason it was so good is because it had time to build up. And I feel like Rizzoli Niles has a tendency to fall into a very obvious, like, hour drama trap where, like, it wants to start something at the beginning and end it by the end of 
the episode. And the only show I ever knew that didn't fall into that trap, at least in the beginning, was Bones, where they had the overarching sort of, like, villain throughout the course of a season. Right. And unfortunately, like, I think Rosalian Isles is going to be subject to that same problem. Yeah, it's tough. Like, NCIS could sometimes pull off the multi-episode arc, Mm -hmm. um, but then they would try to do one and it would be shit. Like, it would be the worst kind of shit. Oh, yeah, like the whole Le Grand Wee arc, which was like, why am I watching this? Yeah, you're like, this is the worst. Yeah, like, NCIS would be, okay, when they did the Ari arc, where he, like, breaks into NCIS headquarters, like, steals a body, shoots a bunch of people, like, crazy, and they spend, like, a season searching for him, and then he murders Kate, and they have to resolve that? That was amazing. That was amazing. Like, I was just, like, bawling tears the whole time, like, unable to stop crying. Yep. And then they were like, we should do that again, but this time with an arms dealer who's French and goes by the name The Frog. And I was like... Yeah, with the least liked character on the show. (laughs) Yeah, least liked character on the show suddenly gets a lot of screen time. Uh, Tony is forced to go into a really unrealistic and unhappy, like, unhealthy relationship with a woman who is the daughter of an arms dealer and who will eventually, like, ruin his life. There was so much about that season that, like, just made me, like, angry, angry, like... Like, 20-something's angry cat face the entire time. Like, why am I watching this? I'm so angry. Like, whenever I remember the fact that Holly Hunter, was her, was it Holly Hunter? I think so. Lauren Holly? No, Lauren Holly. It was Lauren Holly. Lauren Holly. Was on that show for, like, three seasons. I, it's almost, it's baffling to me because the reality is I only remember her for that last season and how much I hated her. Like, she was a perfectly fine character in the beginning, like, she was one of the many women, many thousands of redheads that had had a romantic liaison with Gibbs once upon a time. And I was like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. No one cares. No one cares. You have balls of steel. We like you as an NCIS director when you have balls of steel. And then the last season she was on, she had that stupid La Girl We arc. And you know, like, it's poisoned my entire view of that character because I just like hate her forever now. Yeah, here's, okay, so... She's an amazing actress and a really nice person who got written into the shittest of roles. And this is one of the best things that came out of the writer's strike was they didn't have time to write more of that. So she died off screen of like cancer and a bullet at the same time. And my mom called me and was like, oh, thank fucking God she died. Like, my mom. Yeah. She's a norm. No, but there's so... The funny... The thing that really irritated me about Jen... I love how we're going completely off the rails here. Yeah. About Jenny Shepard as the NCIS director is that, like, they brought her in, I think, partly as a strong female character for the show. And then failed to write her? Right. Which they typically don't fall into that trap, right? Like, they've always been really good about the female characters on that show between, like, Ziva and Kate. And Abby. But they, like, completely fell into, like, typical hour drama trap. And then you sit there and you think, like, oh, look, we're wasting all this time with, like, Madam Director when we could be having that other super hilarious agent who occasionally shows up and bends Tony over tables and totally should stay with NCIS Oh, my God. I love that agent. I forget her name. She's the fucking best. That lady should become a regular cast member. I would like her to become the new director of NCIS. Not that I don't like Vance. Vance is awesome. But, but, like, she should totally hang around the bullpen because she's so much fun. I love her, and I love the small-town sheriff who was, like, trying to get Gibbs to watch Sleepless in Seattle with her. Dude, she would have taken him against his will had he hung around anyone. (laughs) Yeah. She was, like, priority one, being re-elected as sheriff. Priority two, bending Gibbs over a table. And he was like, I have to get out of here. (laughs) Gibbs is like, Jesus Christ, we need to solve this crime so I can flee. Somebody catch a murderer fast. (laughs) 
I love that bitch. I love a bitch who knows what she wants. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, okay, so post Rizzoli and Isles, uh, other things that are coming back. Suits? Suits is coming back, which we should talk about at length because you just finally finished watching this last season. Well, we can say finished watching because I realized as I was watching it that I've clearly missed an episode that I believe is pretty important. It involves like Trevor and Harvey meeting. I apparently missed that one. I might Did have... you not see that? Okay. Yeah. It's an episode where Trevor comes back, or not Trevor comes back, but Trevor comes around and basically gets kidnapped by drug dealers. And even though Harvey has explicitly told Mike not to have anything to do with this guy anymore, Mike is, of course, like, a sweet, dumb, precious baby. Oh, God. And, like, goes to rescue Trevor. And it, at the end, that's this is where, like, the famous gif of, like, Harvey rolling down the car window and motioning for Mike to come over comes from. I haven't seen this gif. I can't believe you haven't seen this episode. You would, like, you would, like, splooge all over yourself. That's you. my understanding, because I've only read the fan fiction versions of it. Like, that right. is my understanding of the episode but as far as i can tell thick not that different from canon yeah so essentially what happens at the end of that episode is that mike tries to go bail out trevor and failed and then harvey has to go bail both of their asses out and it and then he buys trevor a plane ticket to like bumfuck nowhere and is like get the fuck out of town that's for real yeah like they he actually sends him away because trevor comes back for the next two shitty episodes um am i mixing this up well he's does he come back in the next two shitty episodes? I watched the last episode of the season, and it ends with Trevor, like, going up to Jessica and being like, there's something you need to know about Mike. Because he found out that Mike is fucking boning his dumb ex. Like, neither of them should be sleeping with. She's nice, but she's dumb. I don't know about the timeline here, but that is the first time you see Trevor after he gets sent away, is the season finale. Okay. I think. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. I will go back at some point before the next episode of Suits comes on, and I will <laughs> make myself sit through it again. Like, I love the show, but it's also really painful for me to watch. But the key thing to know from the... This is like... I mean, like, I enjoy Suits, but I don't actually... I don't obviously don't really love the show that much, considering I can't remember anything that happened in it. Yeah. Um... But the key thing to know at the end of last season is that Trevor found out that Mike was boning Jenny. Was that her name? Yeah, it's Jenny. Okay. That's how unimportant she is. Mike was boning Jenny uh, and is going to Jessica, presumably to out Mike as not being a real lawyer. Yes, but we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. And I think the interesting thing about that was at the end of the season, all I could think was, wow, this is really early to be pulling that threat. Totally. It's like the end of season one. Although I guess it makes sense because like how long could you, you know, realistically have hide, like be hiding that? Well, yeah. And if they keep dragging it out, we could wind up with a mentalist problem on our hands where it's like six seasons later and they still haven't fucking caught Red John. Yeah, that's true. They should have gone with my ending, by the way. When yeah, but they didn't. Of course I know. Not. But the important thing is, uh, I saw an episode in which Harvey bet Mike, like, was like, hey, Lewis, you can have Mike. And then they, like, you know, whittle down the number of days until it's agreeable to both of them. Well, Mike is sitting there, like, are you seriously handing me off to Lewis? And all I could see, and I'm sure, like, fangirls everywhere, just the subtext of, like, oh, God, Mike, he's giving you to him for work and his bed. This is going to be terrible. And then Lewis says he doesn't want him. Your universe is strange. Strange and penis colored. Uh, maybe we weren't watching the same episode, but that's what I saw. <laughs> and then Mike was sad, and I was like, you dumbass, get the fuck out of the building. What a little shit. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I have so many suits feelings right now, and I need to just, like, set them aside and make myself write fic, because I think I'm ready to continue writing fic again. Okay. Anyways, let's move on. (laughs) I watched the first episode of Common Law, and I was distinctly unimpressed. Oh my god. 1000% same here. Okay, I saw one million previews on, like, Tumblr and LiveJournal and DreamWith, and everyone was like, holy shit, guys, Suits. It's the gayest new thing out of USA. Like, it's so gay, it outgayed Suits. And I was like, I am ready for interracial gayness. And then it was terrible. <laughs> like, there's no chemistry. Like, that's really obvious, yeah. really boring. The, the, like, definitely, you just nailed it. All in one. There's zero cast chemistry. It's like, it's. I was talking about the show with someone, and I was like, it, what, what, what I keep boiling it down to is like, there is no point. Like, the show shouldn't exist. There is no reason for the show to exist, except for the runner of the sort of, like, tiptoe up to the gay line. And then not crossing it. Couples therapy joke. That is like the only thing that distinguishes this show from any of a thousand indistinguishable buddy cop TV shows. This one isn't even funny. I can't believe it made it past like the test pilot. Neither can I. Like there's literally nothing to distinguish these characters. And they're so crushingly, unutterably, endlessly boring and i have actually in case you guys were like she's judging it on the pilot i have actually forced myself to watch four episodes of this show just because pilots are not necessarily the strongest episodes right like the suits pilot actually is not good at all like white collars pilot is amazing yeah white collar has never been as good as it was in the pilot ever again same thing with the mentalist the pilot for that was astounding and then it was shit for the rest of the time after that well there were some good episodes of the mentalist and the same way with white collar there have been very good episodes but the pilot is like the greatest episode that was ever made but like suits pilot is not good um same deal with like a lot of tv shows like pilot of the x-files blue but the rest of the series like there were really good highs so i was like okay i'm gonna watch a couple more episodes of this and see whether or not they get their cast chemistry right to actually tell me whether there's a hook and the answer is no the answer is no there's four episodes we don't know why they're in counseling anyways like so the whole premise like starting in the beginning of the series you oh just in case like you guys have some like the internet has whoever's listening to this hasn't like somehow caught like all access billboard like advertisement bonanza that has been common law that usa slapped over every bus in the world um (laughs) the premise is that you have i like this is how boring it is i don't remember their names and i've seen four episodes there's a black dude who is like quippy and a man slut and comes from like a foster care like he went through like 13 foster families and is like down low with the people on the street and like eats junk food um and then there's like a white guy who's like super super anal and like very very stuck up and prickish and he's divorced from his wife but still loves her and um used to be a big shot attorney who turned to being an officer after he realized he had wrongly prosecuted someone. And these two are, like, thrown together in the LAPD, and they solve crime, and there's, like, all sorts of, like, stupid, disparate elements that don't make sense, right? So the whole the whole premise of the show is that the two of them don't get along, and their not getting along has gotten so bad that their captain has sent them to couples counseling as part of a group therapy because he has had counseling himself and truly believes in it or whatever. But... Fuck bullshit but like it's total bullshit not like not even because like okay so you know how in the first episode it's like okay these two don't get along so they have to go to counseling right the timelines don't work because presume like the more you watch it the more you get the impression that they've been partners for a long time now yeah 
suddenly they started hating each other and they needed to go to counseling. Okay, I'll buy that. What happened? Like, they never address it. It just kind of, like, sits there like some sort of, like, tumorous story hole that, like, lives and grows and metastasizes through all the rest of it. I get the impression that we're not supposed to care. You're just supposed to be like, wow, they're pretty gay, except that they're not. And and the problem is, like, okay, fine. If you needed to put this, like, really asinine wrapper around it in order to, like, get a more interesting crime show on the air, like, I will sort of let that go but the crimes are not interesting at all like they're so painfully recycled so boring and there's this stupid hawaii 5 element in this where like they do things that are just flagrantly illegal like black dude is just i genuinely okay i feel bad now i have to look up his name like Good i job. feel travis travis um, Travis is, like, constantly pulling out his gun and threatening to shoot people, like, all the time. Fucking all the time. And they don't even have the H5O, like, deus ex machina plot device here where they have that ability to do that. Like, no. Right. They are regular they cops. Have, they also, like, don't even have Danny, who's, like, a legitimate cop, being like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't drop a dude in a shark tank. Like, they're both just, like... Yeah, let's leave some guns around. Like, the show is so abysmally stupid. It blows the mind. I'm actually, like, insulted. It's like, USA was like, this formula seems, it's almost, do you remember how you and I were, like, making that joke? Oh my god, the the USA show meme, where you're like, sunshine, sunglasses, you have someone who's, like, new at something, but really good. Yeah, and you need, like, a quippy two-word title of some kind. That is an established phrase, but you could, like, bend it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it falls into every. It's like, seriously, it's like USA got like a meme submission and accidentally made it a show. I just, I can't believe that this is on air and that they've gone past one episode and decided to make a season out of it. Like, if you wanted advertising, you're doing it wrong because advertisers should pull out of that thing now because nobody should watch it because that's how garbage it is. It's not even the kind of garbage that I'm like, wow, this is pretty terrible. I'm going to keep watching it. It's so terrible that even I am not going to watch it and I'm still watching Bones. <laughs> like come on yeah i mean i'm i'm really surprised by it because it's very very shoddily done like everything about the show is really shoddily done like even even shows that are not particularly good usa shows like that i that aren't really like up my alley i can still appreciate them for being interesting like i don't really <laughs> like psych that much but i can see why other people like psych you know what i, I loved like, like four seasons of psych and yeah it was I, hilarious exactly this show isn't funny no it's not it's trying so hard but it's like it's like you watch someone make a joke and you're like yeah i'm not laughing dude it's not try harder you're oh no don't try harder that's part that's part of the problem yeah you're right they should it's just so stop talking. Bad. The only entertaining thing about this show, I will not lie, is their couple's counseling sessions, but they're not entertaining. The fact it's their interactions with the other people in the counseling sessions. Totally. That are the other people in counseling, I'm actually kind of interested in. I am too. Like, they're really funny. But, like, everything else about this show is terrible. Like, it's man, it's really- too bad that these cops are here. Yeah. There was this awful, like, they're in... In episode four, which I watched three quarters of and I had to stop, I was just like, I can't. This is so not good. Um, There's this hilarious moment that, like, I can actually see the thought process that happened in the writer's room. Was being written um or not even the writer's room because this was totally an on-day scene like an on-day line change where they're in the where they're in the break room because white guy whose name i don't remember still um is like doing a smoothie cleanse so like of course he is because he's priggish and anal and like needs to cleanse himself yeah uh, is making like a fucking smoothie cleanse so he's, got, like, he's got like a farmer's market array 
on the break room table and like a $5,000 blender in there. And he's making a cleanse and him and Travis are standing there like having like a non-chemical fight with each other. And some random lady cop walks in and is like, wow, isn't that awkward? And they're like, what was awkward? And she literally explains why something is awkward and leaves. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And I was like, beautiful. Round of applause, guys. This is like one of the worst things I've ever seen on television. That's like incredibly sloppy writing. I didn't so, even see it, and I'm just going to tell you that was shit. So bad. Don't watch it. Don't. You know what? It's all over my Tumblr. I had to block it because I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're watching it. I don't know why we're friends on Tumblr. If you are watching this, stop watching it. It gets two solid thumbs down. Do not like it at all. 100% off the table. We're never going to talk about it again, guys. Yeah, it's over. I'm done. I'm done torturing myself with that show. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and just to back up, Suits is premiering June 14th. Um, yes. So the show that I'm most excited about, and it's coming July 10th, is White Collar. Oh my God, White Collar! I've seen some little spoilers for this, and I'm like, holy shit balls! This looks amazing. Okay, so we guys, uh, if you do not want to be spoiled, fast forward. Uh, fast forward, because I think we're gonna like we're gonna go into a little detail here. Tell me what the spoilers are. Uh, well, for one thing, Neil is, like, in a foreign country, I think, like, on the run in, like, an amazing suit, and my impression is that Peter goes after him, and, oh, what is the name of the, I'm gonna forget his name, he's the really, like, cool guy on Peter's team. Jones? Jones! Okay, so Jones takes over the investigation, and there's just a shot of him being like, I will catch Neil Caffrey, and I will bring him to justice. Okay, this is where your face blindness is kicking you in the butt, MK. Oh, God damn it! am I screwing people up again? Yeah, that's a different dude. <laughs> Are you serious? I, like, 100% thought that was Jones. It's not Jones. It's a different dude. <laughs> I, uh... Okay, wait. Yesterday? Or not yesterday, but earlier this week, I was in a grocery store with some friends, and we separated to go into different aisles. And I was like, I'll meet you back at, like, pork buns. I just need to go look at these things. And I walked past them in a different aisle and, like, kept going because I couldn't find my friends. And they were like, hey, hey, <laughs> it's us. We have your cart. I was like... Oh, I know you. We came here together. I still think that the greatest example of your face blindness of all time is, like, you trying to run away from me. Listen, you looked really creepy. That's right. Me and my coming home from work in my office job clothes is really creepy. And we had been, like, living together for, like, a week and a half at that point. Yep. Yeah. Listen, I just wanted to get you some New Year's treats. So I just wanted to provide for you, baby. I appreciate it. Some creeper was coming at me outside your building. She's going to get in the way of treats. She's totally going to get in the way of treats. How am I supposed to get to Tesco? <laughs> but yeah, I think what from what I could what I could pull from the promo that they've released is that Neil is still on the run, but I think someone up the chain of command at the either the FBI or some other organization has basically decided or confronts Peter and says Neil Caffrey's out there, and I think you know where he is, and I'm going to force you to help me find him. No. Yeah. I'm yeah. displeased and yet intrigued. I'm very intrigued, because I think that one of the very few reasons that Neil would come back from hiding is that if he felt that Peter or Elizabeth needed his help. Well, yeah. Him. He'd do anything for them. Yeah, and he I think that he would come back for that. 
What I think is great is, like, you know, like, Lepigus, her favorite thing is that, like, found families trope. Yes. And, like, Peter and Elizabeth are already a good family unit, but they basically adopted Neil and Mozzie and, like, just brought them into the family. And they were like, yeah, you're family now. Definitely. And even Mozzie, who was like, we need to steal a bunch of shit and get the fuck out of this country, was like, I can't. Elizabeth needs our help. It's true. Mrs. Suit is the greatest. He's like, Mrs. Suit needs me. I'll be there. Yeah. I love that show so much. Like, I genuinely love that show so much. It's just the greatest. It's so great. I was, like, a little nervous when it first started. Like, season one, I was like, I like this. It could go really wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it's one of the best things on USA. Yeah. Like, agreed. probably their best formulaic success. And it starts, yeah, July 10. That's soon. That's, like, 31 days away. Okay, 30 for people listening to this. Yes. Either way, very soon, we're very excited. I'm, you know what? It's one of those things where the show has been around enough. It's like The Good Wife now where, like, I'm not nervous. I'm just excited. Because I I trust the writers of the show. Which is weird for me. <laughs> right? Like, You I'm, mostly watch really bad TV, though. I do, but I'm just, I'm so used to being let down by TV writers. And, okay, admittedly, some of the time it is not their fault. Some of the times I can see the, like, producers and they're, like, getting their hands right into the show and they're like, you know what we need? more of this and everyone was like god no like what are you doing we've seen it happen to so many programs but so far white collar astounding agreed even like i rewatch it and i'm like this is still fantastic i'll watch this whole episode i know exactly what happens and i'm still excited (laughs) definitely agreed so another thing that i know is coming up soon is warehouse 13 and the reason i know is because i've seen it filming all over campus and it looks good. I'm excited. I mean, the end of last season was just heartbreaking. You're very alone on this because I stopped watching it after a season. Oh my god. Prue, it's like, okay, you know what? When I started watching it, I was like, I literally have nothing else to do and this show is terrible. That's how I <laughs> felt about it. And I was like, I will go to this dark place because only I can. <laughs> and I wound up loving it. Like, seriously loving it. Like, crazy things happen. But the main thing is, if you haven't seen last season, here are the things you need to know. Okay. Last season, they brought in a new character called Jinx, who is this super hot dude uh, who is Buddhist and who can tell just by, like, looking and listening to someone whether or not they're lying. Okay. And the Warehouse 13 team runs into him when they're trying to like do something ridiculous like get some ridiculous artifact back and it's like an absurd situation and he catches them breaking into this building to do this and they like keep trying to lie to him like no we're with the cops or like no we're with the fire department no we're with and he's like lying 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 (laughs) and eventually they're like okay here is exactly what we're doing and he's like that's weird but true okay let's do this (laughs) and they're like what the fuck just happened And he winds up joining the team because that's pretty awesome. And he literally, like, knows about Warehouse 13 now. Like, that's a cool skill. Yes. Um, he's amazing. He becomes... Oh, who is the cool kid? Claudia. (laughs) Claudia. Okay, so he and Claudia become partners, and Claudia actually gets to go out in the field a bunch? I can't decide if that's a good or bad thing. It's actually, like, pretty cool because she's not sure how she feels about it. She kind of wants to, but she, like, gets nervous, and she's like, I don't actually know what I'm doing. Like, I'm a computer nerd. Yeah. Um, but... They become best friends. Like, they really understand each other. And it's amazing to just watch them become, like, like almost like a brother and sister unit. Oh, I'm sure Warehouse 13 is going to do something terrible and break my heart about the two of them, though. Oh, well, obviously. Jinx <laughs> dies <laughs> tragically, <laughs> saving everyone. Pete and Nika are, like, great together. Rip my heart out. And yeah. I was like, fuck you! I'm never coming back! Jinx first has to pretend to be evil. So he has to, like, fake quit the warehouse and nobody is allowed to know. So Claudia is like, why would you do this? Uh, and then, like, join the evil side. Um, 
And she keeps trying to, like, win him back, and everyone's like, stay the fuck away from Jinx. And she's like, no, he's my best friend. Like, I don't care if he's working with them. Like, I just want to save him. Oh, my God, it's a Naruto Sasuke situation. Also, by the way, Jinx is gay. Like, actually canonically gay. Okay. Um, Which is, again, like, for a show that airs on space, that's kind of a big deal. They were like, or we have, like, a US. super... Or sci-fi on the U.S. Oh, yeah, sorry. In the U.S., it's sci-fi with the stupid Ys. But in Canada, it's called space. Nice. Um... Yeah, that's just, like, it's a big deal for that network. And I was like, as soon as I found out he was gay, I was like, he's probably going to die tragically because they can't have a gay guy on television who is attractive and Buddhist and, like, best friends with Claudia. Like, it's too good to be true. They're not going to let him live. (laughs) They can't let him live. I like him too much. And yeah, he dies like, horrifically saving everyone. Now, do you think he stays dead? Uh, yeah, the way they do it, I'm pretty sure he stays dead. But damn it. On top of that, you remember, like, all the H.G. Wells shit that went down? Uh, yeah, and I was already pissed about that because I wanted her and, like, Mika to get together. H.G. Wells comes back. Right. They locked her consciousness inside this device, and they need her during this whole, like, jinx bullshit to fix things, and so they, like, are carrying her on the device, and, like, a projection of her will come out, and, you know, for her, no time has passed or something. She's just, she's like, I can't touch anything, I can't hurt anyone, I understand that everything I did was terrible, but my consciousness is locked inside this thing, and, like, I'll do what I can to help you. And she also, like, now permanently dies saving everyone, but there's, like, a huge explosion, and, like, shit is happening and the season ends with like everyone that you love is dead (laughs) everything that you were happy about gone let's see what the fuck happens next season i'm never watching that show (laughs) i was crying so much no i'm never watching that show again well it comes back on july 23rd and i'm definitely gonna watch it but i'm gonna be pissed if jinx somehow can't come back I don't think he will, but I'm still going to be pissed. What about H.G. Wells? Do you think it's possible for her to come back? I don't know. They've brought her back from the dead like twice now. I know, but it's a threefer. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? If they could bring back H.G. Wells, I would be super happy. If they could bring back Jinx, I would be ultra super happy. Mm, Okay. Like Jinx really, really added to the show. Okay. Like significantly improved it. I believe you. And not just because he's gay. Like he actually was an astounding character. (laughs) Should should we move on before I hurt myself? We should, no, 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 we should move on and we should talk about one of my favorite shows on television, Leverage. I love Leverage. I love Leverage so much. Someone actually tweeted and asked whether or not we were big Leverage, or whether or not we were Leverage fans, and the answer is yes, we are huge Leverage fans. We even had Leverage cover art last season. Mm-hmm, it's true. It is. Here's the thing about Leverage. Yes. You tried to get me to watch Leverage. Yes. And I watched one episode and told you that it was garbage. Yes, you did. I apologize. I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I eventually, you know, got bored, ran out of shows. It was summer, whatever, and wound up mainlining, like, all of Leverage in a very short time span and fell in love. It's so good. Parker is my hero. I want to be Parker. You are Parker! I want to be more like Parker. What ways, in in what ways do you need to be more like Parker? She's so good at, like, breaking into places. If there's something you don't need to be good at, MK, it's committing crimes. And stealing? No, you plus crime is bad, MK. Like, my, okay, I already share too many personality characteristics with, well, unattractively, with Nate Ford. I do not need to be more (laughs) Nate. We're turning more into Parker. Hmm. 
drunk control freak is not a good look on me. <laughs> it's okay. We'll just, I can't even suck you into the wolf pack because I can't. So yeah. we'll just. You know, I'm like Styles. I will never kiss a girl or become a wolf. wolf. Although one half of that is already a lie. I'll let you guys guess which. <laughs> Styles doesn't have to be a werewolf to be part of the pack. He's definitely part of the pack. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yes, I'm really excited about Leverage coming back. It's uh, premiering July 15th, right? Uh, yep, yeah, July 15th. 35 days, and it's called The Very Big Bird Job. I know. I'm psyched about this. I'm super psyched. I've not seen any sort of, I've not seen any promos or anything, so I'm going into this totally, like, pure as the undriven snow. It's just going to be, like, sheer delight for me. Me too. And actually, that brings us to the first uh, listener question, which is from Ink Junket, and the question was, if you could cross over any two summer shows, what would they be? And I have to tell you that my favorite is, like, crossing over leverage with any summer show but the ultimate would be if you cross leverage and white collar leverage and white collar or leverage and suit i think leverage and white collar would be one type of funny because it would be like neil versus the leverage team and you know neil would get very very competitive uh yes (laughs) or leverage versus suits would be funny in its own sort of terrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just i can't i don't know how it would work but i know that it would be very entertaining oh yeah can you just imagine harvey versus nate or peter versus nate no <laughs> no I can't and that's what makes it fantastic it would like, be so awesome it would be awesome and it would be full of surprises it would be it would be so full of surprises and like actual although, witty dialogue totally although one thing that would definitely have to happen is that they would have to like smuggle uh, well in the suits universe anyways they would have to smuggle Parker into the law firm as like an assistant or something oh, and God. then Donna would be like oh hells no what is this shit yeah Donna would be like instantly uh uh-uh. uh get the fuck out and like clothesline her in the ladies bathroom or something yeah she'd be like oh do you have any like lip gloss punch you in the face Uh uh-huh and then she would like pepper spray i feel i have a really vivid image of her pepper spraying hardison while like being on the cell phone to harvey and security being like guys guys we have an intrusion guys (laughs) pepper spray Running out of pepper spray. I just, I feel like, yeah, it would be a lot of antagonism at first, and then eventually, best friends forever. It's true. I feel like the leverage group would become part of um, Harvey's, like, unspoken shape speed dial that he keeps on tap for <laughs> stuff that he doesn't want above the t- doesn't want done over the table. His secret speed dial, which, by the way, okay, I know that Harvey has, like, you know, his PI and everything, and I don't know how he hides those contacts, but I feel like the way he should hide them is just by making Mike memorize them and never having the number <laughs> written down anywhere. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Right? Like, Mike is your Rolodex. Oh, that would be, you know what, someone could write, that is, like, a really good story. I would read, like, a mob AU where Harvey is, like, in what? charge of the mob and Mike is his black book and his, like, accountant. Why do you have these, like... <sighs> You love me. It makes you happy. It does make me happy. I would read the shit out of that. Of course you would. <laughs> I have no response to that other than, of course you would. Um, also, okay, we did get asked if we could talk briefly about Teen Wolf. Or rather, we got asked if we would do another Teen Wolf episode. But to save Prue, we can't. But we no, can talk yeah. a little bit about what's happened this season. There have been two episodes. Okay. Just have so you- I watched them. Like, I actually, actually watched them, watch them with minimal fast-forwarding. Wait, before we go into this, I have to tell you guys. So, I had, like, a confluence of, like, shitty work, lady times, and just general, like, fuck you, it's June, why do people have hypothermia <laughs> in England? converged upon me so like 
you can attest to this, MK. I am, generally speaking, not given to irrational fits. Yeah. Like, it's not really my jam. It's not really my jelly. And, like, in terms of fandom, like, if I'm not into something, it generally, like, it's not really in my MO to be like, I hate it. I think everyone should. But I totally had, like, a crazy fucking meltdown people. <laughs> and I was like, this is insane. Like, I'm so mad right now. And it's about a show on MTV. <laughs> A show like, that you've never watched. A show that I've never watched on MTV, which is like a level of crazy, which like is unsustainable in any sense of the word. I think I got so, a chat message from you that was like, I need to be a rational and good human being. What episodes of Teen Wolf should I watch? And I was I like, don't do that. it! Yeah, and I was like, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna give this a shot, you know? Like, I've always been a big fan of giving stuff a shot. And then your immediate response is like, don't do it. Don't do it. Listen, I love Teen Wolf. And I'm just going to tell you, don't do it. <laughs> One, it's not for you, Prue. Like, it's just not for you. And two, the actual season one is shit. Wait, you need to go back and explain what it's not for you means. Sorry, okay. There is a Penny Arcade comic. <laughs> in which they were making fun of, um, was it a movie or a TV show? I think it was a movie. Someone made a movie, like an actual, like, you know, movie that would show at your local movie theater that was like a big deal all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it got shit reviews. And the director or writer or both was like, well, critics, it's not for you. So that's why you don't <laughs> understand it. Which is the dumbest response you get at, like, if you did something and it was shit, just admit it. You did it. It was shit. You know what? He who smelt it dealt it. <laughs> that was your fault. Oh, God. So when something is not for you, yeah, you know what? You're just, you're going to have to go back and just don't do it, okay? Just don't. <laughs> Season one of Teen Wolf. I said this in the Teen Wolf episode, but seriously. In total, there's maybe like 30 minutes of good watchable television out of 12 episodes. And all of that is when Derek and Styles are on screen together being ultra gay. <laughs> the rest of it is basically garbage. Okay. However, um, I watched the first two episodes of season two. Okay. Uh, the first episode, mediocre. Better than season one. But like mediocre. There was a fair amount of fast forwarding there. I'll admit it. Okay. Um, I will say the opening credits are astoundingly good, like movie level good. I've actually seen um, gifs of the opening credits, and they look really beautiful. Like you know they're really beautifully done. The gifs. I was like, yeah, that looks pretty good. With audio, it's really impressive. It looks sort of like Nike ads, by the way. Yeah. Like the style, like the, the sort of like black background with the motion shot of the one person in movement. It's like, did you guys just hire the Nike marketers? Because this is like a campaign from circa 1997 <laughs> through 2005. Here's the thing that the GIFs don't tell you, though, about those shots. is like, when you see the GIF, it's like one person likes, like, uh, fuck, it's like Scott, who's the stupid main character, like, with his eyes changing, and he's, like, growling, like, side profile. Yes. The full shot is him growling like that, and then being tackled from behind by a lacrosse player. <laughs> it's actually kind of cool, because each shot, like, starts off as one thing, and then turns into something else. Okay. So it's, like, a nice, like, a weird meeting of the two plots of Teen Wolf, which are, like, stupid teenage drama and werewolves. So each shot starts off, and you're like, motherfucking werewolf! Whoa! Teenage drama! Yeah, see, this show was never gonna resonate with me, because you just, like, my two least favorite things in the world 
are basically like, I don't like, uh, between werewolves and vampires, I hate vampires slightly more, but only slightly. Um, <laughs> and teen drama, like I hate teenage drama. I, I hate teenage drama when I was a teenager having drama, and I hate it even more. No, that is exactly how I feel about it, and that's why I can't watch like most of any like teen drama, because I wasn't involved in that shit when I was a teenager. I didn't like it then, I don't like it now. <laughs> like literally the only things I care about in Teen Wolf are Derek and Styles with like a side of, Allison, you're too good for Scott, maybe you should date Lydia. Like, <laughs> I watched episode two, and episode two is actually, like, really funny and sad and good. Okay. Um, I'm gonna give some spoilers here, like, full-on spoilers, guys. Again, if you don't want to be spoiled, fast forward, because this shit is cray. Right? <laughs> okay. Shit is cray. <laughs> this shit is cray. So I'm one. Braced, I'm braced for cray. Lydia, who was bitten in the first season, and you're told that when you get bitten by a werewolf, you either die or you turn into a werewolf. Like, either you just, like, start dying right away, and it's bad, or you heal really fast. Lydia does neither. She goes into a coma and is not healing. She's not dying, but she's not healing. And they're like, we don't know what's up with Lydia. We don't understand. And in season two, she wakes up and she's ready to get out of the hospital. And she's taking a shower because she's been in a coma for a couple weeks. Uh, when she starts hallucinating in the bathroom, or you think it's a hallucination, you're not sure. Uh, and then screams and runs out the bathroom window naked in 40 degree Fahrenheit weather and disappears into the woods for two days in a fugue state. <laughs> And there's, like, the whole town is fucking searching for Lydia because they're like, she's gonna die. All yeah. we know is that there's, like, a naked crazy girl in the woods and she's gonna freeze to death. Yeah. She doesn't. She loses nine pounds. <laughs> and then she, like, comes out of it, like, pretty okay and is like, I don't know what the fuck happened. I woke up near some police officers and I got them to give me a jacket. Like, I was naked and cold. <laughs> and I had lost nine pounds. <laughs> um, so you're like, that shit? Pretty crazy. At the same time, uh, Derek... So mean like is she is she a werewolf is she not a werewolf we don't know i'm she, most interested in this lydia character because everyone tells me she's badass she's super badass she's like a math genius who is hiding it she's the most popular bitch in school she's like uh maybe i should hide my math skills a bit but still get fucking a plus 110 percent on everything because i'm gonna like become a math hero in the future like that's what she's gonna do after high school she's like right now be a popular bitch later revolutionized math that's cool too but i mean like i mostly like her because she and i apparently have the exact same taste in clothing that too you literally own some of the same outfits i know that was a really horrible moment when i was like just scrolling down tumblr dashboard and i was like what i own that dress i own that dress thanks that dress in gray <laughs> yeah no you and lydia are basically the same person Except for the fact where I can't add to save my life, but sure. Yeah, but you're like, have a secret, like, amazing talent. Let's, okay, so let's move on. Lydia, fucking amazing, terrifying, yes. we don't know what the fuck's going on. Derek has decided that now he's the alpha, he needs more werewolves in his pack. No, no, he's terrible at this. Like, I don't know anything about the show, but I know that Derek is not good at identifying who to make a werewolf. He's really not. He's really shit at it. He made Scott a werewolf. No, right? no, he didn't. Him, right? No, that was Peter. Who did he make a werewolf? Well, like, his pack is filled with idiots, right? Like, yeah, no. Scott. Before season two, Derek has not made anyone a werewolf. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, end of season one, like, the last shot is maybe he turns Jackson. He bites him between season one and season two. Jackson has been bitten, but his body is actually rejecting the bite and, like, oozing black goo everywhere. Okay. And he's not turning into a werewolf. Like, he, like, tries... Oh, God, he buys a camera or like rents a camera like a high-end shoots in the dark beautiful video camera off of like this like video nerd at school for a hundred dollars for the night and the kid is like 
uh, before I give this to you, just to check, are you like filming a creepy sex tape of you and Allison? And he's like, <laughs> no, I'm filming my own history. And you're like, well, that's not creepy, dude. Uh, tries to film himself turning into a werewolf and in the morning looks at the footage and literally he did not turn into a werewolf and he's furious. <laughs> I'm like, shut up, Jackson. You're such a fail. You're the worst. You're just the dumbest kid on the show. Dumber than Scott, and that's saying really? something. No, he's he's basically Loki. Let's put it that way. Okay, so Scott is still the dumbest. Right? Scott is still the actual dumbest, but like Jackson is like emotionally the dumbest. Okay. Um. Okay. So Jackson is the the first person that Derek bites. Then Derek finds this kid whose dad like owns the graveyard. What is like? De- okay, Derek is stupid. Everyone on this show is stupid. Just just wait. It gets better. It turns out that the kid's dad is horribly abusing him. And you don't know how at first. You just know that he is because he has a black eye and he lies about it to the sheriff and says that it's from lacrosse. And yeah, he's on the lacrosse team, but that's not how... Is this like a 40-person lacrosse team or something? It's pretty big. (laughs) Suffice to say, like, you wear a fucking mask during lacrosse. It's not from lacrosse. And the sheriff has his suspicions but, like, can't do anything. Uh, Derek bites this kid because the kid wants, like, power and the ability to defend himself against his dad, which is, like, that's a pretty good reason to become a werewolf. If you want to get out of, like, a horribly abusive situation, being the bigger batter of the two people, not bad. Except that, uh, his dad is then brutally murdered the next night, and the kid says it wasn't him, but you're like, I think it was you. (laughs) Like, I'm just... Just a suggestion. I think it it probably was you. It was probably you. Like, Scott tried to kill Styles in season one when he was a werewolf. It was probably you. (laughs) Um, But Scott and Derek go to the house to try and, like, get rid of evidence that might make it look like this kid killed his dad. And they go into the basement. Derek is, like, trying to train Scott in how to use his senses other than just smell, because Scott only uses smell right now. <laughs> it's really obvious. He, uh, he's trying to figure out who else on the lacrosse team is a werewolf by tackling them during practice and smelling them intently. And he tackles, like, the only openly gay kid in school, Danny, and is sniffing him. Every other kid on the lacrosse team, by the way, is like, dude, what are you doing? Danny's like, it's Armani. Scott's like, what? And he's like, my aftershave? It's Armani. <laughs> and Scott's like, oh, smells nice. <laughs> It was, like, a cute moment. That guy is, like, dumber than a box of hair. (laughs) So dumb. Uh, Does not realize, by the way, that Danny is like, hey, Scott's hitting on me. (laughs) And clearly doesn't register that. I don't know whether or not this would actually happen on the show, but I basically feel like what needs to happen is that Styles needs to troll him on this. (laughs) If I had to deal with, like, the stupidest best friend ever, my only joy in life would be to troll him. Troll his werewolf senses. He spends a lot of time making fun of Scott for being stupid. Good. He hasn't yet trolled him. He should. As far as I know. Because, again, I only watch... A very little bit of season one. Right, okay. But they go into the basement and it's like abuse central. Like not just like pretty bad abuse, but like horrifying abuse central. And there is one of those like uh, horizontal big freezers. No! And when you open it, it's full of bloody claw marks from the kid like just trying to claw his way out with his fingernails before he was a werewolf. Like... <gasps> it's chained shut on the outside. Like, this is bad shit. Oh my god. Yeah, like, horrifying, horrifying abuse. I was really upset by it. But you're like, I totally understand why you want to become a werewolf, and dude, you probably killed your dad. Which is cool. We're good with that. Like, I'm like, yeah, 100%, you did the right thing if you killed him. He might not have killed him because there's other crazy shit going on, but I kind of feel like it was you. Well, even if it was, bro... We're behind you, 100% of the way. But at the same time, the police arrest this kid because they're like, 
listen, it might have been you. We're going to put you in holding at least for one night. Except right. that it's the full moon. Oh, this will go well. Yeah. So everyone is like, we have to get him out of holding because he's going to turn into a werewolf and he doesn't know how to handle it because he's new. And at the same time, the hunters have decided that, yeah, you killed your dad. We're going to kill you. And they send a guy dressed up as a deputy into the police station with like a needle full of wolfsbane to inject this kid and kill him. Wow. Yeah, so Derek and Stiles get in Stiles' Jeep, go to the police station. And the person who is working the police station, like, pretty much alone that night, is this beautiful woman who is also a deputy. And she's just, like, working the front desk, whatever. And Derek is about to go in, and Stiles is like, hold on, what are you going to do? And Derek's like, I'm going to distract her, and then you go in and you, like, get the kid out. And Stiles is like, yeah, how are you going to distract her? By punching her in the face? (laughs) And Derek's like, uh, I'm going to talk to her. And Stiles is like, okay, give me a sample. Like, what are you going to open with? And they just sit there and kind of stare at each other for a moment in the car, like in silence. The best reaction to this on Tumblr, by the way, was a gif where they subtitled Derek's face with, did you just ask me to hit on you? (laughs) And suffice to say, Derek, who has like barely, like he did not smile in season one. He smiled a little bit so far in season two. And you're like, oh, your face is beautiful. Walks into the police station looking like just some guy, whatever but, like, hot. Uh, And the deputy comes out and is, like, not looking up yet, and she's like, hi, what can I help you with? (laughs) She's like, oh, that guy's clearly hot. And Derek breaks into this beautiful smile and just starts hitting on her, like, mad. That's great. It's actually really great, because Styles is, like, just his face peeking around the doorframe, and he makes the most amazing, like, jealous, angry face, and then creeps into the back of the police station, where he runs into the deputy that Allison has shot in the leg with an arrow. Okay? Okay? Dude has half an arrow still sticking out of his leg, broke it off, and continued on into the police station to try and kill this werewolf. Dude realizes that Styles knows that he's not a deputy, okay? Grabs him and is, like, pulling him back through the building, at which point, kid who's a werewolf busts out of his cell and, like, throws the fake deputy against the wall and, like, starts just beating on him. Like, deputy is down, unconscious on the floor, and then turns and sees Styles, and Styles is, like backed up into a corner, and this kid is going to try and murder Styles. Right. At which point, Derek walks into the room like slow and casual style, breaks the thing of Wolfsbane, and as the kid is about to go for Styles and, like, try to murderate him, just does, like, the, he can turn his eyes red and get, like, the fangs and not do any other werewolf shit, just does that and, like, growls at him. Kid shrinks back against the wall and turns back into a human. Okay. And Styles is like, how did you do that? And Derek's like, I'm the alpha. <laughs> It's an amazing episode. It's fantastic. It's super sexy. It's hot. You'll love... Well, you won't love it, but everyone else will. Okay. (laughs) And there's another episode this Monday called Ace Pick. It's gonna be great. Okay. The end. Someone actually, uh, segueing brutally from that, Ivy Knights messaged us and asked about Revenge. I haven't watched it. I have not watched either, um, but which lots of people are addicted to. And I actually had brunch with Zoetrope the other day. Oh. Yeah. And she was trying to sell me on the idea of watching Revenge. And her description of the show was really interesting. But she also, she characterized it as just a tiny, like the tiniest step above a soap opera. Ah. Yeah. But this... The whole premise sounds really intriguing, where it's basically a girl whose father is framed for funding terrorism, comes back to her swish upbringing in the Hamptons, and inflicts revenge on all the people who had banded together to fuck over her dad, 
one by one per episode. Um, and she has like one guy who was like a good friend of her father's and uh, helping her fund this entire enterprise. I think that actually sounds really cool. And it's a show that I would like to watch, but I'm going to like actually have to have some time to catch up on it. Um, yeah, which is going to happen for the foreseeable future. But thank you for flagging that to us, Ivy Knights. And thank you for everyone who's been asking about it. It does sound cool. I would like to watch it. But again, just like all the other shows that, or things that you guys have asked us about and we can't talk about, i.e. Homestuck or Revenge or anything else, if you want to, please record um, a fandom safari so that we can play it, even if we don't know how to talk about it. Yeah, totally, because we can react much better to a fandom safari, because you're going to tell us what's actually important in the show, as compared to IMDb, which is like, yep, that sure is a show. Yeah, exactly. You will crystallize it down to its important parts, like who should make out and other things. Uh, that is the key information. Agreed. Completely agreed. Um, in terms of listener questions, um, we have... One from Julie, who asked me uh, a couple of days ago, this is actually quite old, sorry for the long lag time, Julie, for um, newish or newer K-drama recommendations. So presuming you've gone through the ones that I recommended on the first podcast, which were Coffee Prince and Kung, uh, the ones that I'm going to recommend further are slightly further afield. They're a little bit more difficult to get into. Um, one of them is called uh, When the Moon Embraces the Sun, and it's a Korean seiguk, which means it's a historical drama. And it's, it's like 24 episodes, quite long. It's all finished. Um, it'll take you on an emotional roller coaster. This is one where I emailed multiple people as I was watching it just to decry how dehydrated I was from crying during certain parts of it. <laughs> but it's very good. Um, it's visually stunning. It's really beautiful to look at. Um, is this the time travel one? No, it is not the time travel one. Okay. Um, check it out. Another one that I'm going to write, these are all historical. All three I'm recommending are basically historical or fusion historical. The second one I'm going to recommend is The Princess's Man, which is also quite long, 24 episodes. Also Seiguk. Very good. You will also cry your eyes out during parts of it. And um, it's an incredibly good, good drama. Like, Moon Embraces the Sun very entertaining. Princess's Man, heartrending, really good drama. Uh, and then the one that I'm currently still watching, but will be done and fully subtitled by the time that this episode goes live, is called Queen Inhyun's Man, which is the time travel one, um, which is the one that I've basically been suffering emotional, oh my gosh, <laughs> emotional raptures and chasms because of for the past two months. Um, I would say that it is the best K-drama I have ever seen. At this point, at 15 episodes out of 16 episodes in, I'm very comfortable saying that it is my favorite K-drama of all time that I've watched. Uh, and the premise is, um, it starts with our leading man, who is an administrator slash scholar slash court official back 300 years ago, gets a talisman from someone who used to be a household servant of his before his entire family was murdered, basically, to protect him as he's trying to restore the rightful queen to her place on the throne. This is all like a bunch of like back backdoor dealing, which will become clear if you actually watch the drama. But uh, he takes the talisman basically to humor her, not because he believes it, because he's a man of science and logic and doesn't buy any of that stuff. But at the critical moment, when he's about to die in the middle of his quest, the talisman kicks into action, and he pops out on the other side, 300 years into the future, where he runs into a woman who is actually an actress, who ends up playing the part of the queen that he's trying to save in a drama that is being filmed in modern-day Seoul. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it is 
it is the premise sounds completely ridiculous and I completely understand that but the cast has some of the best chemistry I've ever seen the narrative plot has some of the greatest internal logic that I've ever experienced and the chemistry and the love that you feel in the story are so good and it bucks every k-drama convention so the standard script of the leading male being sort of like an angry table men child who will like wrist grab the girl and like bully her and they'll scream at each other and all that stuff never happens because our leading male is actually very scholarly and respectful and they're kind of like saucy and funny with each other and the second lead who we don't like is the one who has all the characteristics of the traditional lead and our female lead isn't given to shrieky hysterics or crying nobody gets cancer or get hit by a car everyone does the best that they can with what they have and they fall in love along the way and it's absolutely lovely that actually sounds cute it's really good and if you actually want to see it i will hold your hand through it it's really good i would absolutely without reservations recommend it you can find it online right now streaming places um and i will try to link that on the show page so that those are my big three wrecks moon when the moon embraces the sun the princess is man and if you're not going to watch any other k-drama ever watch queen in hyun's man (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh okay and then we have two slow entries mk oh god okay my body is ready while we're waiting for this i'm just gonna edit this in uh we actually did get a comment on the house episode where right. someone said uh who is this elaine of shallot added uh that birthmark season five episode four is an episode that everyone should watch which has entertaining plot some details of house's childhood and much house wilson content including their how we met story this Aww. is the one where house's dad dies and house and wilson get back together after their split post amber that's true i forgot that one me too you should definitely watch that one yeah oh man gaffy laughs is another slow entry of course she's so strong She's so strong. She's like so strong. <laughs> she, her comment being, um, also, I'm sorry for being strong as a poke ox. Yeah. Which I think needs to go into the dictionary. Yeah, poke ox. It's like a whole new level of slow. That's like a, that's Chicago Bureau of Gaffy Lab slow levels. Yeah, there's like like a, a pyramid of slow levels, and they are so far at the top at the poke ox level. <laughs> so this is like Pikachu and Raichu. <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty sure there must be like an oxen style Pokemon somewhere. I'll find one and I'll <laughs> it'll come up. Okay, so slow entry from Gaffy Labs on Twitter. Uh, finally, a slow submission for me without bestiality. We are excited. By You're the so way, proud of you. I'm so proud of you for moving past bestiality. Where are you finding this shit? I don't know, and I don't want to know. <laughs> like uh, I don't. Okay, I'm gonna read this and then I'm gonna add. Like what my first thoughts were when I saw this on Twitter. Learned about Vore in fic where person A gets tied down by person B and B's friends, and person A is eaten alive. Okay, <laughs> now here's here was my first reaction when I saw this on Twitter. I don't know what Vore is. I'm not going to Google it. <laughs> Please also note, guys, that she sent us this during, like, the week of zombie face-eating that has been happening. <laughs> Like, it was just, like, weirdly appropriate, and yet horrifying. It's thematic. It all just goes together. Like, is it supposed to be sexual? I don't want to know. It is, MK. It is supposed to be sexual. I... Why? No, no. Stop talking now. Because I have made the mistake before of being in chat with you, and you would say something, and I would quietly go and look it up in Urban Dictionary. And I have always regretted it. Wait, wait, wait. 
Wait, when have you done that? Like, multiple times. I don't have your street lingo. I don't know how things work in the street. I, I, I feel like you're giving people a really inaccurate representation of, like, how, how street I am on a regular basis. <laughs> like, I own a lot of tan pumps. <laughs> like, Prue has all of the street smarts in this relationship. Then we're fucked, because I'm not that street smart. I only have smarts regarding, like, how to shoot things. Which will be much more useful when the zombie apocalypse comes. Well, clearly the zombie apocalypse has already come. And that's, that's just horrifying. Just absolutely horrifying. <laughs> Look at the other slow entry. Okay, the other one is from Carolyn. She lists the salient facts of this item as, It is a 70,000 word underage mpreg fic. Holy balls. Which is, like, that's a lot of words. Yeah. The empreg, or the effects of the empreg, literally happen on the first page, meaning the sex is off-screen, which I'm not sure is good or bad. <laughs> on page five, the underage character has the baby, so, like, that was fast. That's, like, Twilight fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Twilight fast. The underage character has the baby, and the, quote, father of the baby, they're not, quote, together during this ordeal. It was a creepy underage dubecon one-night stand, Creepily hits on him, pervily checks him out while he's in the hospital bed post-ass labor or whatever. I'm almost tempted to read this. Of course you are. The baby's name is something fucking ridiculous and so unique that it'd be obvious, so I can't even say it. Oh, except I can say the baby's nickname is Lala. Let me Ralph. <laughs> oh, God. By page nine, the story has devolved into distinctly not-cute baby talk and bratty child antics. Oh, and the main characters are together. 11,000 words in. <laughs> and I realized the story is no longer about my pairing, but has time jumped to the future, where their kids, yes, they had multiple kids together, as in more than two, are now teenagers. And the rest of the 59,000 words, about their kids. They hijacked my pairing to make original fic. The whole time I was reading, I was just frantically waiting for my main characters to make a fucking cameo. It was horrible. Bonus. One of the kids gets anorexia, and it was handled poorly. Extra bonus. In the end, they wind up having five kids, including twins. I think the greatest part of this whole thing is the fact that is, is the addendum, it was handled poorly. Yeah. Like, in like, the context of all of this terribleness, of course the anorexia was going to be handled poorly. Well, come on. Have you ever read a story in which anorexia was ever handled well? Like, when I see anorexia in a fixed summary, I'm like... Nope, <laughs> just not reading that one. I'm sure that there are stories where it's been done well, but I'm sure, but I also think that, like, the bad ones are the ones that resonate with you. <laughs> well, I have read, like, okay, here's a list of things that if I see it in a summary, I'm not going there. <laughs> right? Anorexia. Manorexia. Cutting. Uh, <laughs> God, what else, like, what else could you do to yourself that is going to be handled poorly by, like, a 12-year-old? Suicidal impulses? Suicidal impulses. Um, oh, my any any story that, like, relies heavily on song lyrics throughout. Or internalized homophobia. Like, they're just not yeah. going to do it well. Yes. Oh, you know what? That's interesting. I, I wonder if that's a discussion for another um, episode. But I was having a talk with Laslett, who I had brunch with, Zoetrope with. Um, I love last her. Weekend. How collectively as a fandom you remember how internalized homophobia and coming out and like being angry about being gay was like a huge thing when we first started in fandom yeah and now it's like yeah whatever everyone's gay it's deal with it almost completely absent now and i find that to be 
a direction that I enjoy. Like I have no desire to read about internalized homophobia or like, I hate myself because I'm gay or like, I don't really want to admit that I'm gay or, Oh my God, I'm gay. Like, yeah, I I have zero interest in that. Yeah. And it's not that I don't understand that people have difficulty with their sexuality because every single person has some difficulties with their sexuality. Let's be serious. It's fucking screwy. Yes. I just, I feel like we're in a time where it's like, you know what? You're gay. That's fine. You're bi. That's also fine. You're straight. Fine. Asexual. Fine. You know what? I actually, now that we're talking about this, I can pinpoint it more. It's not so much the people coming out or people coming to terms with their sexuality. It's the underlying current of self-loathing that comes with it that is absent now. And I'm very grateful for it because those stories, when you look at the older stories in fandom, like that, that have this, it's not that they're badly written. It's just that they're more difficult to access and they're really uncomfortable now in the context of our current reality. Yeah, that's totally it. It's it's like an uncomfortable, like... You shouldn't feel this way. Don't be upset. Like, you're fine. You're totally fine. Like, other people might be assholes, but you are fine. Yeah, so I'm, that's a nice thing. That's a nice thing that's happening. I do. I, I like that a lot. And it's one of the reasons I have trouble reading older fic. Yeah, it's but we all... We always age out of thick. Yeah, well, nobody wants to go back to Angel Fire. Let's be serious. <laughs> what are you talking about? I love Angel Fire. Oh my god, you joke. I follow someone who does, like, Rex lists. Okay. And half the Rex list is, like, new stuff that I like, and half of it is literally Angel Fire. Really? Yes! And I'm like, but but why? <laughs> why would you do that? Why are you still reading it? brutal. Brutal. All right, closing thought. Timothy Drake just tweeted us as we were recording. We were thinking that there should be a fandom court where it is decided irrevocably whose fault it is someone is in a fandom and Prue should be the judge. Uh, I have the answer for you. The answer is always hashtag I blame Prue. I accept that challenge and it is not always my fault. Considering how hard I petition against certain fandoms and people still get into them, it's pretty clearly not my fault. However, what I was going to say is I will accept this heavy burden if you guys have any fandom, like, who's to blame adjudication. (laughs) Long. We will hash that shit out for you on the Slash Report. We will hash them out. You just watch us. Though if your first question is whose fault is Teen Wolf. uh, Yeah, whose fault is Teen Wolf. That one's more complicated. That's not complicated at all, you asshole. (laughs) It's only complicated because I kind of want the credit and I don't want the blame. Um, The credit and the blame come together. (laughs) together at last it's like a two-headed monster you cut one off it comes back great yeah own it should we do fic recs for this week before we go okay you first my first fic rec is called a broken heart is blind by halona uh it's a teen wolf story Derek styles it is an amazing college au where before the story styles is dumped by lydia uh and in the past he had a class where Derek was his ta and he had like a stupidly massive crush on Derek because who doesn't but he was like i have to pass this class and then like never see him again because if he's my ta ever again i'm gonna fail (laughs) like it's just like it's it's really hard to learn when you have an erection Like, literally, that is his problem. But Lydia breaks up with him, and he winds up going to this party where, like, Lydia has gotten back together with Jackson. It's, like, two weeks after they broke up, and he's kind of heartbroken. And Allison's advice is, now is the time to have a rebound fuck Styles. That guy is eyeballing you from across the room. Why don't you fuck him? And Styles is like, that's my old TA. Also seems legit. (laughs) And he's like, okay, fine. I'll have a one-night stand with Derek, because, you know what? I've always wanted it, and he's no longer my TA. Let's do this. 
<laughs> Except that Derek is like, this isn't a one-night stand. And basically, well, if you read it, it's kind of hilarious because Derek is clearly super in love with him and trying to, like, stretch out a one-night stand for as long as possible. <laughs> and Styles is like, mm, I don't know if this is a good idea. Oh, and by the way, there's no werewolves in that story. Like, it's just an adorable college AU. Okay, so they're humans. They're totally human. Okay. It's unrelated to the actual show except for these are the characters. My next story is a Dresden Files story called If It Makes You Happy by Dwarf Fanky Losor. Okay. That was hard to pronounce. Marcone basically decides that if Harry really loves Thomas, he's going to make sure that Harry is happy with Thomas. And the way he does that is start sending Harry gifts that are, quote, from Thomas. And... He expects that Thomas will take credit for them because he's like, Thomas, what a douchebag. Thomas doesn't take credit. Thomas assumes that it's a trap, that someone might be blackmailing them and or trying to kill them. And starts like an insane investigation in which Harry is like, I don't, I don't know if that's what's actually happening here. I'm just confused. And obviously, eventually, Harry and Marcone finally get together. And Thomas is like, yeah, seriously, I'm his half-brother. We're not actually dating. Uh, it's it's cute, it's funny, and it's actually got, like, an interesting plot, which is really fail in the way that Dresden Files plot should be fail. Okay. Uh, and my last story is called Frankie Says Relax by Kellifer, uh, in which Darcy... She's so good. I wreck her all the time. Uh, this is a story in which Darcy accidentally on purpose becomes the personal assistant of the Avengers, and everybody is asking her for things, including Tony Stark, Except Clint. Clint, like, won't ask her for anything. And it's obviously because he's secretly in love with her, sniper style, and really fail about it. <laughs> it's super cute. You should read it. Sounds good. All right. I have four recommendations, um, but I'm going to blaze through them. My first one is uh, a story called Clint Barton, Boy Detective by Dan Allure. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it is actually a tiny, it's a very short story, but it's a tiny bit genderfuck because it's girl Tony. And it's all about how Clint has noticed that there is something weird going on with Lady Tony, and he's going to get to the bottom of the shit. Really clever, clean writing with a wonderful whip crack bite. Just so funny and very spare. It's just a perfect little kiss of a story it's wonderful <laughs> i love it to bits and there's lots of robots which i'm a big fan of robots yay <laughs> love robots way too much except for prometheus robot michael fassbender i don't know how you became the human uncanny valley but stop it i'm not going to go see that movie you freaked me the fuck out me um, either cannot handle it okay nope. my second recommendation is a story called as it is written by who's your bitch um, you can read it as pre-Clint Coulson if you choose. I read it as Jen, but it's very sweet either way. The story basically boils down to Clint's dyslexia, and it's always been, if not undiagnosed, then untreated. And it's very short. It's very, very concise, but it's completely heartrending. And you go through the story, and you think it's never going to get better for him until he shores up at S.H.I.E.L.D. and runs into Phil Coulson. And you get this little ray of sunshine at the end where it's like, no, we're going to make this better for you. And it's awesome. It's a great read. Aww. Really, really good. That sounds really cute. It is really good. Um, I highly recommend it. Loved its pieces. Uh, it's one of those stories I finished and I scrolled right back up to read it again. Okay. My third recommendation is a story... Also Avengers, but more Thor than the Avengers movie, called Look to the Future, which is sort of Thor-Loki, and is by Say What. 
it's <laughs> I've always I particularly love this story um, because it it plays on what like my own mental head canon is, which is the summary is Loki's worked out why Odin brought him to Aesir or grow, why he brought him to Asgard among the Aesirs. Uh, because I've always I've always been like, why the fuck would he steal like <laughs> the Jotun prince? Like, why would he take that baby? Arranged right? marriage. It makes no exactly. It makes no sense. And this whole premise of like, I really hope that you guys would somehow bridge our kingdoms. I'm yeah. Like, well, like, how would that work unless you thought that it was a girl to <laughs> get married one day, the same way that in medieval times you brought the princess over from her own court to grow up in the court she would one day be queen in. That makes perfect sense. In the context of medieval history, this makes perfect sense to me. And this is an adorable little story where Loki and Thor are still children, like little boys, and Loki has made this this discovery and thought, like, yes, I think this is why he brought me here. (laughs) (laughs) And it's wonderful. It's so funny and very sweet. And my last track is... um, a supernatural story. It's a non-hunter AU by the Hellenables called Faith and Deeds. It's a story where the Miltons, aka the Angels, own this raggedy, ramshackle produce store, and Mary Winchester is their best customer. And it's a story about how Castiel starts perving on like this new guy in town, and it's so precious. Um, really, really sweet, like fuzzy sweater, like happy smiles, puppies frolicking read, which I recommend to everyone who's had an absolute garbage week and needs it. Like everyone at Slash Report HQ. Basically, we were both just like awful. We had like awful fucking weeks. Awful. And as we were deciding on Rex, we were just like, I'm just gonna get fuzzy sweater Rex. <laughs> yeah, just things that make us happy. Exactly. And that's it for me. Okay. The last thing that I think we should say before we sign off is I'm just going to give you the dates of stuff that's coming up on TV. Just to recap. Legend of Korra, every Saturday at 11. Mythbusters, Sundays, 9 p.m. Teen Wolf, Mondays, and returns on the 11th. Rizzolian Isles, Tuesdays, returns again on the 12th. Suits, June 14. Would I Lie to You, on right now in the UK. You should watch it. Amazing quiz show. White Collar, July 10, Leverage, July 15, and Warehouse, July 23. That's what you have to look forward to, guys. Yeah, forget work and stuff. Just stay inside and watch TV all day. Uh, Isn't that what summer is for? No. (laughs) I mean, that's what summer is for for me, but I had to wear a coat outside today. Okay, yes. For me, I'm like, ah, your star burns. I'm just going to stay inside. I wish we had a teleporter so you could just stay here and I could go to Toronto right now. That'd be nice. I would leave your apartment in like a sweater because, you know, that'd be nice. And I would buy chocolate and things. Yeah, you would just go to the Tesco and just like buy Star Bars until you exploded. Actually, they sell Star Bars here now. Congrats! Yeah, there's one store in Toronto that sells them for me. I requested them and they they started stocking them. I keep asking the Montezuma whether they do international shipping and they still don't. Those bitches... I know. Oh, can I tell you a hilarious story that we're probably going to have to edit out? Yes, do. Okay, so my sister is a teacher, right? Like a high school science teacher. Which is still funny as fuck to me, by the way. Yeah, like hilarious. So wrong. The weekend before Anime North, a bunch of her students were like, oh man, Anime North, we're going to go, it's going to be great. And she was like, oh yeah, my sister's going to that. Because oh my god. I was there, right, for Tokyo Demons and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Wow what's she doing? And she was like, oh, she's like working there and, you know, doing stuff. I don't understand. It's like Anime North. I don't, she's like not into this at all. And they're like, 
cool. And now all I can think about is whether or not I met any of her students. You like, probably did. But in case we decide to keep parts of this, uh, we would have to say we love you guys a lot. And we really appreciate all the emails you sent us and all the ones that you've sent to us saying that you like listening because you feel like you're part of a part of a posse. You are. You are. Yeah, no, you know what? I like one of my favorite things about doing this podcast whenever I'm like, ah, editing sucks. I hate editing is like we get an email from you guys and it'll be like, you know, I live in a community where there are, like, no nerds, and listening to this podcast really helps me feel connected to other people who have the same You're interests. You're part of our nerd kingdom. Yeah, you know what? Most, well, not most, but I would say, like, a large chunk of my best friends don't live in the same country as me, let alone the same city. <laughs> too true, too true. Like, Prue is one of my best friends, and she lives in England, and before that, she lived in New York. Like, <laughs> I live to piss you off. <laughs> it's just hard to see her. So it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of really good friends on the internet. Don't let your parents tell you that's weird. <laughs> My parents were like, everyone is a rapist on the internet. They were wrong. It's true. Only about half the people on the internet are rapists. Totally. <laughs> now we have to keep this in. We do have to keep this in. But in conclusion, we love you guys. Keep the mail coming. <laughs> Uh, send us your slow entries and your fandom safaris and have Prue adjudicate your court. <laughs> Maybe I'll get uh, a suitable suitor's dispute with not lavender tassels and something else. Who who in our group sews? Someone should make you a hilarious outfit for this and we should take Don't photos. Laslet's going to do, Laslet, do not make me anything. Laslet, please knit her an outfit. Oh my God, because you know there's nothing I love better than knitted stuff. Like a full knit robe. We have to end this. We'll, we'll be back next week, guys. We'll be back next week. Alrighty, guys. See you on the flip side. Bye! Bye! I'm stuffing my face full of chicken fingers right now, so you should talk.